Must be nice, you know, living on Canal Street. From Slightly Unbalanced, we are still queer as folk. UK and US for this one episode. I'm Patrick Randall. And I'm Matt Dominguez. Today we're going to be talking about UK versus US, and which series we think was the better of the two. We've done 96 episodes between the US and UK shows so far, and this is an episode that I've been looking forward to doing since 2017, I think, when we did our first really rough episode covering the US version. This is the showdown our listeners have been looking for. (laughs) (laughs) us versus uk and it's like i still remember to this day when you came up with this idea of like wanting to do a podcast about this show we were at big bull downtown we had i think we had like our downtown chicago yeah we had our second bottle of chardonnay and we're like yeah let's just do it let's see what happens in chardonnay (laughs) yeah there was some it was some sort of white wine that we had in a you know (laughs) That we classy ordered. girls <laughs> you know like we do in big bowl <laughs> and now it's like you know four years later and we don't eat in restaurants anymore we don't do that no restaurants don't get us wrong we still drink uh, <laughs> as we speak we should have <laughs> done a count of how much boxed wine we've gone through do, doing this doing this podcast, oh that would have been a good sure. stat yeah yeah that would have been really great to know um because trust and believe if you go listen to those earlier episodes where we were <laughs> bold enough to record you know two episodes <laughs> you can tell when we've clearly gotten to like the tipping point of the boxed wine yeah, I think that would be the even-numbered episodes, right? Yes. Because <laughs> yeah. we do them two at a time. Yeah, we're like, oh, we can do this. We can knock out two episodes whenever we record. Woo! When we stay, and then we kind of like meander and crack up and uh, don't make a whole lot of sense in some parts. It's yeah, I like to tell people that if you really are into, like, us, skip a season one. We uh, were clearly a train wreck in season one of the U.S. version. Uh, We get better, though. I look at the stats for downloads of the different episodes, and season one, episode one being the first, always gets just a ton of downloads. And the next episode, not so many (laughs) after that. I think people listen to it and go, oh. Well, hopefully not. I think some of our reviews have 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 been favorable to those who held out and gave us that chance. Uh, And... (laughs) But yeah, we, yeah, I think we grew. I think we grew. So for this episode, I thought we would do a few games. First up is what I'm calling this or that quick fire, where Matt and I will have to make a snap call on the UK versus the US show and different elements from them. Uh, Then we're going to play Who Would You Do? Where we decide which character we're more interested in fucking. I'm so excited for that one. Next up after that is Stuart versus Brian where Matt has to guess who said a certain quote. And then finally, we'll do our usual version of a pub quiz where I ask Matt 15 questions about Queers Folk UK and see what he comes up with and if he was paying attention to (laughs) the 10 hours of microphone time that he gave us this this season. At the time, I was paying attention. And then you throw these questions at me when I haven't watched... (laughs) I haven't watched season one, episode one in four years, <laughs> like, but I'm sure I'm going to get something right. I oh, hope. well, these are all UK questions, so I think you got a good sporting chance on these. Sure. 
Okay, so I've got 15 this or that's UK versus US. When I read them off, you must immediately answer which one you thought was overall better. All right. When we get to the end, we'll compare scores and see who is the statistical winner. Okay. So let me give you a sample first, just to make sure you understand the game. All right. Uh, I'll say the UK bit first and then the US one. So I'll say something like Jeep or Corvette, and then you give your answer. No comments, just your answer, quick fire style. Ready? Got it. Let's do it. Okay. Stuart Allen Jones or Brian Kinney? Stuart. Vince Tyler or Michael Novotny Bruckner? Vince. Nathan Maloney or Justin Taylor? Justin. Philip Delaney or Ted Schmidt? Ted. Alexander Perry or Emmett Honeycutt? Emmett. Janice Maloney or Jennifer Taylor? Jennifer. Hazel Tyler or Debbie Novotny? Hazel. Donna or Daphne? Donna. Lisa and Romy or Melanie and Lindsay? Lisa and Romy. Canal Street or fake Pittsburgh Gaberhood? <laughs> Canal Street. Daz Collinson or Ethan Gold? Ethan Gold. Cameron Roberts or Dr. David Cameron? DDC, Dr. David Cameron. Nobody or Ben Bruckner? Ben. Bernard or Uncle Vic? Uncle Vic. Christian Hobbs or Chris Hobbs? Yes. <laughs> the UK sex or the US sex? U- UK. <laughs> okay, so for me... I had picked Stuart Allen Jones, Vince Tyler, Nathan Maloney, Ted Schmidt, Emmett Honeycutt, Jennifer Taylor, Hazel Tyler, Donna, Lisa and Romy, Canal Street, Ethan Gold, Dr. David Cameron, Nobody, <laughs> Uncle Vic, Christian Hobbs, and UK Sex. So that gave me uh, UK 10, US 5. And you had Christian Hobbs and Chris Hobbs. Oh, yeah. So do I give one for each? Yeah, let's go and do that. Okay. Uh, UK 7, US 9. <gasps> you like the US series better. Ouch. I won't say I like the series better. I liked individual parts better. But I knew it was going to be close. I knew it was going to be close. So I had Stuart Allen Jones as a winner because I found his character just to be more believable. He wasn't portrayed as a magical uber gay, and he really didn't do anything that would make me think he is a deplorable person, except for that weird firebombing thing of Alexander's mother's car. Why did you pick Stuart? For a lot of the reasons that you picked Stuart, I I loved the fact that he was much more of a character that was on somewhat of a level playing field. So then I believed a lot of the friendships. I believed the friendships a lot more. There wasn't this putting him on a pedestal in a lot of ways. You know, it was fun to watch him turn on the charm that I thought was a lot more believable. Like then I, then I understood why people would fall in love with him or would want to sleep with him. Like he could in fact charm the pants off people. Whereas I thought Brian was such a turnoff and such an egomaniac. Like why would anyone want to be like, Oh yeah, then please do me like, no, thank you. <laughs> please do me. Um, we'd both picked Vince Tyler. So I thought that Vince absolutely trounces Michael Novotny. If you look at the whole U.S. series, Michael comes off a bit schizophrenic, or I guess at best, multiple personalities. He was just written so poorly that he became unbelievable as the baby uber gay. Vince just endeared himself to us right from the start. We were really rooting for him every step of the way, and he just never put a bad foot forward. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned that I think in the first episode of the U.K. Uh, version that I just I found him so endearing and his 
like nerdiness was such a turn on. I just thought he was adorable. Michael had this way of just running so hot and cold and running to extremes in his reactions to things. And yeah, we, and we kept, we kept critiquing it that he would always as his go-to be like, well, I'm going to shit on Justin. It's like, why you were his best friend and like, and, and comic partner, not two seconds ago, but apparently everything's still his fault. Like, Get the fuck over yourself. <laughs> and, and again, I just, oh God, Vince and that adorable accent. Just mm. So we were split on the next one. I picked Nathan Maloney and you picked Justin Taylor. And I just have to go with Nathan because he seemed to get his shit together faster than poor little Justin did. After a while, it just seemed like the U.S. writers were yo-yoing Justin all over the place and not really giving him a clear, coherent narrative one moment he was wise, the next minute he was whiny little boy. I just thought that his growth as a character was really, really obtuse throughout the entire U.S. series. So Nathan Maloney for the win. Justin, it's, I, I think it's funny that you think that Nathan got his shit together faster than Justin did. Because I think Justin had a... I thought he popped more when it came to finding his independence and finding his voice than I think Nathan did. I thought Nathan, uh, especially when he had people who were so supportive of him, like the way he treated his mother just pissed me off to no end. <laughs> like Good point. Uh, and the way he treated Donna, the way, uh, the way he wanted to live this gay life. So, like I never... I always thought he was like obviously trying to sell that he was bought into the whole gay fantasia a lot easier, like that he was living that. And it's like, no, you're you're putting on a show and we're all kind of seeing through it. So why are you lying about it? Like, these are your best friends. Like, it's OK. <laughs> and so I just I found him kind of a little too grating for me. Phil versus Todd was an easy one. We both agreed on this one. I think this was mostly because Phil was just killed off so quickly. We didn't really know him. <laughs> My, exactly. My only Ted complaint lived. with Ted is that the U.S. writers just couldn't get enough of wrecking his life over and over and over. That's another reason why I wanted to pick him, because he was such a punching bag for the series that I was like, no, I'm going to give you a win. But wouldn't it have been nice to see Ted just come out of the series more fully baked as a person and not having gone through so much? There's always I think you find it in every series. There's always going to be that character that they're going to put the brunt of bad things on one of them like they're going to be they're going to be that show's victim well the next one was uh also we were in agreement on emmett versus alexander so emmett honeycutt clearly trounces him alexander really didn't even need to be in this show at all you'll remember how many times i asked the question of why alexander was in just about any scene he happened to be in <laughs> Yes. With the exception of that first episode where he gets off the plane and uh, he was with the threesome with The Undertaker, that should have been it. He should have gone. Yeah, should have just been like a guest star situation. I, if anything, I will give credit to the U.S. series for finding a purpose for Emmett. And I think that was a character that is probably the strongest, one of the strongest characters that came out of the U.S. version and a way to really give him his own voice, you know, from the UK counterpart. Our next one was Janice Maloney or Jennifer Taylor. And Jennifer Taylor had to have the win here because she just stole every scene she was in. Whereas Janice Maloney was really kind of just an angst-ridden mother coping to deal with her newly out gay son. But Jennifer Taylor became like ally throughout 
the, mm-hmm. the the series. So I like that ride that she gave us, and she wore like such great pantsuits. She looked great. I love how they dressed her. They also allowed her to become her own independent person. She also started, you know, <laughs> get that young dick. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> I forgot Let's about that. About, let's talk about Tucker. that boyfriend of hers. <laughs> Woo! Um, like, good for her. She got herself a job. She dumped that asshole. I mean, yes, props to Jennifer. Next one was Hazel Tyler and Debbie Novotny, and we both picked Hazel. I liked Hazel much better than Debbie because Debbie always came off as this benevolently bitchy, know-it-all character. And I didn't like that. And she did have some killer scenes, but I think... I think Hazel's the better mom. Yeah, and I and I think that really came down to the way Hazel was cast. Being much closer to Vince in age, at least in, in my interpretation of it, she's much closer to him in age. So I understood what their mother-son dynamic was. And she had a way of being involved in his life and involved in the things he did without it feeling too intrusive and not too over the top. We both agreed on the next one too, which was Donna versus Daphne. Even though both of them have minor parts, Donna just never hesitated to tell off Nathan. Like mm. when she put him in the in his place with that line. I'm black and I'm a girl. Try that for a week. She also dropped everything to go to London with Nathan. And she was also never heard from again. If you remember, she, yes. <laughs> she, London, she never came back. Daphne was really just there for Justin to have a conversation with, to tell us more about Justin. So the Daphne character herself really didn't go anywhere in the series. And that was kind of disappointing because we liked her. She had some some good scenes, but at the end of the day, Donna was the, the much more impactful character, I think. Cosign, all of that. Okay, let's move on to the lesbians then. They were there. I, I don't have much else. <laughs> well, the UK lesbians won for me. But on a technicality, though, there just simply wasn't enough airtime for them to have serious problems, whereas the U.S. lesbians had tons of contrived drama, some of it good, but much of it was kind of head-scratching, like, why are you doing this to these people? And mm-hmm. is this real? That type of thing, so. Yeah, yeah, they they were they were minor characters. I thought that was always a an issue that I had with the U.S. version was that, okay, so we have these lesbian characters, but... We don't treat them as realistically as we do our gay characters. And they also were given the most graphic sex scenes when the show really wanted to be a focus on the gay men. I saw a lot more female nudity and gratuitous female nudity than I thought was really necessary. Canal Street versus uh, fake Pittsburgh neighborhood. And I had Canal Street for the win. So did you. Mostly for me, this is because it's a real area and many of the bars and clubs in the show are actually real. The U.S. show never really had a Pittsburgh identity because it was all made up. I don't know. It was just kind of this like fantasy land and it just didn't come off as something we could go visit on holiday. Yeah. And I think after, you know, (laughs) thankfully getting to travel to England, you know, before all this, uh, made me really appreciate the UK setting so much more. And uh, really, <laughs> it really made me miss London, like really, really miss London. So yeah, shout out to Canal Street. It also never rained in Manchester, which I really liked. <laughs> <laughs> Next one was- No rains, uh, no. <laughs> Ethan Gold or Daz Collinson. And Ethan Gold got the win for me. The story of Justin and Ethan, I think was one of the better arcs in the US scene. Ethan just had a lot going for him. Daz was 
just a twat, as Nathan told his mother. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Ethan Gold was accomplished musician. He was incredibly charming. He was incredibly sexy. Daz was just sort of there. Daz just hit this annoying point. When we first met him, we we're like, okay, that's cool. And then after a while, it's like, oh, shut up. <laughs> You're such a twat. <laughs> Why are you here? <laughs> um, the next one we agreed on, and this one, if listeners, if you've ever listened to our U.S. series, you'll remember that I had a love-hate relationship with Dr. David Cameron. Uh, but he gets the win here because even though he was something of a thorn in Michael's side, he was more likable in my mind, and he was better to his youthful boyfriend than Cameron Roberts was to Vince. I, I just liked the way that he was just more into Michael than Cameron was into Vince. Yeah. It was almost as if Cameron saw Vince as a project. I'm going to find all the ways I'm going to better you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whereas I think Dr. David Cameron had a very genuine love uh, for Michael. It was more like he he treated him then wanted to improve his life to get to his level. Next one uh, we disagreed on. Uh, this was nobody or Ben Bruckner. Ben Bruckner started out the U.S. show as just an outstanding character. And then he was almost immediately marginalized into like Michael's hype man. He just should have been killed off like in the, those first couple of episodes. Because you remember early on when Michael was trying to cope with dating an HIV positive man. Those were some of the best storylines of that particular season. But then they didn't really do anything else with Ben Bruckner. And that's why I just had to go with, with, with nobody. The show would have been better without him or if he was killed off. You say that, but then I don't think we would have had a strong uh, connection uh, when Hunter enter the picture, enters the picture. And I think that gives Ben such a greater purpose because then he is able to be not only that father to him, but also that figure that allows Hunter to see that you can live with HIV and live fine. You can be healthy. You can live a normal life. You're, you know, you can live a life that is not just that is already determined because you have a chronic illness. So, uh, I really appreciated that. I really appreciated his chest, his arms. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I will, I will choose Ben. Well, that's a good segue into the next one, which was Bernard versus Vic. And for me, uncle Vic wins by a game aisle because Bernard was like one of those Muppets in the balcony. <laughs> yes. Uncle Vic was one of the standout U.S. characters, partially due to Jack Weatherall's portrayal of the character. But you remember they killed off Uncle Vic to bring us Hunter. Uh, Uncle Vic left us way too soon. Absolutely. I thought he was always funny. I always, I never found his advice to Michael contrived. I always thought it was always poignant. And that's also just a testament to Jack Weatherall finding the heart and humanity and anything they gave uh, Uncle Vic. We split on the next one, uh, Christian Hobbs versus Chris Hobbs. I had to go with UK Christian Hobbs over US Chris Hobbs. I actually believed that Christian Hobbs was gay and secretly into Nathan. And I think that's a better story than Justin just jacking off a clearly straight character in the US series. So yes to that. But also I thought the handjob scene in the US version was hotter. 
Uh, oh, I thought you said that you like the U- the UK version better. I, I'm gonna have I like, to check the tape. No, let's 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 check that because I, I this is why I, this is why I had to just say yes to both uh, because I think they're both hot. But there's something about jacking off a straight guy. Yeah, there's that. But then there's yeah, there's just just something to Chris the way he like sort of just gives into the pleasure and. Uh, give me a moment. I'm just I'm thinking. I'm thinking about the scenes again. Uh, to yes. add that one to rotation. <laughs> uh, the last category of our quickfire was UK sex versus US sex, and I thought the UK sex was better because it was well moderated and well timed. We used to joke about the US shows always having to have at least one sexual interlude set to music. In the UK, sex was implicit for all the characters. In the US, it was explicit. And that's why I, I really saw the UK sex to be, to be a lot more interesting. The best example of why the UK sex worked so much more for me was that moment when uh, Nathan and Stuart go up to Vince's room and they get each other off in like the most animalistic way. And it was just... That was hot. <laughs> nothing, nothing. Maybe that was explicit. <laughs> nothing, nothing in the uh, U.S. rapid fire editing, hyped up, you know, video editing kind of situation that they had ever really matched what the U.K. version did with that. This is so queer as folk. Stick around. We've got more to come. next segment is called who would you do or basically who would you rather fuck <laughs> since we're both verse what well, kind of um we can take this as either topping or bottoming and remember this is just fucking so basically a slutty beauty pageant unlike what we mm. just talked about with each character so okay i'll do the quick fire again you ready yeah Stuart allen jones or brian kinney Stuart. vince tyler or michael novotny bruckner vince Nathan Maloney or Justin Taylor? Justin. Philip Delaney or Ted Schmidt? Philip. Alexander Perry or Emmett Honeycutt? Emmett. Daz Collinson or Ethan Gold? Ethan. Cameron Roberts or Dr. David Cameron? Dr. David Cameron. Nobody or Ben Bruckner? Ben Bruckner. <laughs> Christian Hobbs or Chris Hobbs? You can't yes. pick both. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. You knew what I was going to do. Uh, 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 okay, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest. I'll say Christian. Okay, you had... Five U.S. and four U.K. Oh, uh, well, yeah. I had Brian Kinney over Stuart, Vince over Michael, Nathan over Justin, Ted over Philip, Emmett over Alexander, Ethan over Daz, Dr. David Cameron over Cameron Roberts, nobody over mm-hmm. Ben Bruckner, and Christian Hobbs versus Chris Hobbs. So I had U.S. beating U.K. 5-4, and so did you. Ooh. Let's take these one by one. The first one was a tough one because I find Stuart overall more attractive, but I think Brian is kind of the sexier of the two. There's just something about him that I found to have a little more magnetism. I have the opposite feeling. Oh. <laughs> I think I think Stuart is as much into getting pleasure 
and giving pleasure, where I think Brian was much more into just getting pleasure. I had no debate on Vince versus uh, Michael. I used to daydream about Vince, and Michael just always seemed a little too straight for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've said it before. I'm in love with Vince Taylor. I'm in, I'm in love with him. Everything about him is perfect. Are you going to write fan mail to Craig Kelly? Maybe. Yeah, I'll 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 try and find my my uh, two cassette VHS of Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> and said to like, I remember your scene. Can you know, you I, look, I, I went to find that scene because I dr- did a drop into the last episode when we talked about him. I don't think you listen to these episodes, do you? You don't. I, I, I'm... <laughs> you don't listen to your work. <laughs> I trust my listeners to. to but I found it. that uh, one of his scenes got cut. And there was apparently another one where it, it was just the two of them in the radio room. But that's not in the, the print that I had of the, the movie. It was just hmm. him walking up to the captain saying, there's ice ahead. Excuse me, sir. Another ice warning. This one's from the Norden. Thank you, Spock. Oh, and that's it? I, I wonder. I wonder if the, since then something some things have been trimmed a little bit. I, I, that, that. Yeah, it was in the script, but I didn't have a shooting script. I just found a script. He didn't. His second scene was not in the the actual picture. Hmm. Okay. So next one, uh, Nathan Maloney or Justin Taylor? I had Nathan Maloney. You had Justin Taylor. Uh, I picked Nathan because first of all, he's taller. Uh, those abs on him are just killer. And those frames of film in the first few episode of his butt ugh, and the twinkle in his eye, it just far outpaces that kind of short roly poly Justin Taylor look. Remember when he was a go-go dancer and we were kind of like, oh, mm. so Nathan for the win. It's the 15-year-old thing that kills it for me. Uh, he turned 16 in the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point, though. <laughs> Did I just identify as a creepy old man? <laughs> Little bit. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to share about uh, 17-year-old Justin <laughs> No. Maybe I'll have like to, to edit I, this segment. <laughs> I'd like to think that maybe he would draw me at one point. The next one, um, you picked Philip Delaney over Ted Schmidt. I had Ted Schmidt because we never really got a good look at Phil, but I remember commenting a few times on how hot Ted was at certain points in the U.S. show. Like He went on such a wild arc that he was kind of all over the board, but there were several scenes where Ted's body was just banging and i was like oh ted come hither was that was that like when he was in his crystal phase or i think it was after the crystal phase and after he had his fake plastic surgery oh i see (laughs) i remember that one scene when he's walking through the park with Emmett, and we both went whoa what's going on there because all of a sudden he just looked amazing (laughs) it's true um no philip uh i feel like he would he would care more and probably not wear awful boxers. Oh, good point. Very good point. Next one was Alexander versus Emmett. I kind of feel the same way about Emmett as I did Ted. Those scenes when Emmett was a porn star were hot as fuck. We never got a really good look at Alexander, though. You're right. Exactly. Uh, my assumption is that Emmett can uh, give as well as he can take. Well. <laughs> so, at least... And we we all know that he can certainly take it after we watched him have sex with, with Drew. So, Oh, yeah, Drew Boyd, the professional footballer. <laughs> mm. 
Yeah. Uh, the next one we obviously agreed on, that was Ethan Gold over Daz Collinson. If Ethan didn't have that soul patch on his chin, I probably would have sent him fan mail. I found him that hot. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like you just need to like cover it with your hand and then do everything else. <laughs> or as soon as he starts playing that violin, it's like, take me. Mm. I remember he was playing the violin when he he woke up Justin to playing the violin. We were like, mm-hmm. what? Like, oh my God, could you be any hotter? So the Camerons, uh, Dr. David Cameron wins for me. This was close though. It could have gone either way. I wouldn't walk away from either of the Camerons. Uh, I loved the <laughs> mid-century modern home that he would give me. Architecture, uh, perfect mid-century modern home. Exactly. Uh, and... I know that the, he had that like little indiscretion uh, in the bathhouse when Brian saw him. Oh, right. But then, then it would just be like, no, Dr. Cameron, if that's what you want to do, let's go. <laughs> mm. uh, the next one, nobody or Ben Breckner. And Ben Breckner never really did anything for me. I'm just not into that Jim Bunny hulked out steroid look that he was vibing. Oh, Contradict me. I'll take it. I'll take it all night long. Uh, The final one we both picked, Christian Hobbs, after much debate by you. I thought those scenes where he's awkwardly hitting on Nathan are what did it for me. Like that one time in the pub where he looks across and he gives him that smile. Or that time in the hallway at school where he's kind of acting hurt that Nathan wasn't paying attention to him. I just thought that Chris Hobbs in the U.S. series was just a random annoying jock. Didn't like him at all. Much less of an of a chance that Christian Hobbs would hate crime me. <laughs> so that's 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 how I that's how I picked. Fair enough. Okay, now we're going to do one thing where uh, I didn't give you that in the show outline, but we're going to do two very quick fuck Mary kills. So I'm going to name three people, and you have to say which one you would fuck, which one you would marry, and which one you would kill. Okay. Stuart Vince Nathan. Stuart Vince Nathan. Uh, fuck Stuart, marry Vince, kill Nathan. Okay. Brian, Michael, Justin. Mm, uh, fuck Brian, marry Justin, kill Michael. Okay. So for me, it would have been fuck Nathan, marry Vince, kill Stuart. Oh, okay. For the US, for me, it would have been fuck Brian, marry Justin, kill Michael. Yep. We agree there. (laughs) Like that one was hard. (laughs) We'll be back with more Still Queer Folk. As is our custom at the end of each series, I challenge Matt to a pub quiz about things that happened in the series. I've got 15 questions ready to go, and I don't have to answer these because I wrote them. Um, <laughs> you just need I to. I should have flipped the script and said, Patrick, I have 15 questions. You've got to. You should have. You threatened to do that in season four or five of yes. US. You never did that. Mm, no. Okay, so you got to answer these as quick as possible. No dwelling. Um, if you'd like, you can say pass <laughs> and we'll come back to the question at the end. Okay. Okay. 
All right. Ready? No, but here we go. Uh, you'll do fine. How old is Nathan <laughs> Maloney when the show starts? 15. He's 15, aren't you, Nate? What birthday did Vince celebrate where Cameron bought him a car? 30. What kind of car did Cameron give Vince for his birthday? Oh, it was kind of a junker. I can't remember the exact model, though. It's just a mini. How old is Stuart? 29. What country is Stuart from? Scotland. <laughs> what is Nathan's sister's name? Oh, God. Pass. What is Stuart's father's name? Pass. What is Cameron's occupation? He's an accountant. Who the fuck is Martin Brooks? Who the fuck is Martin Brooks? Uh, he was Stuart's client. Whose ID does Nathan use to get into Babylon on the first night? Um, uh, oh my God, Bernard. What's your name? Bernard Thomas. Date of birth, 1946. Looking good, Bernard. Eight quid. Who is Romy going to marry? Oh, the, uh, gosh, the foreign guy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember his name. (laughs) Lance. Lance Ampoma. Nice to meet you. What street is Stewart's Series 1 flat on? Ooh, Canal Street? (laughs) What do they go back to yours? Sure. Mariner's Court, yeah. What street is Stewart's Series 2 flat on? Oh, maybe that one's Canal Street. (laughs) Must be nice. You know, living on Canal Street. What is Stuart and Romy's baby's name? Ooh, it's not Gus. It's someone I pass. Vince, want to check on Alfred? Name a sex act that Nathan and his mother have in common. A sex act that they have in common? (laughs) Wow. Oh, anal. Well, I'm not trying it again. The arse thing. What pop singer did Daz claim to dress up as? Kylie. We did fancy dress. I was Britney Spears. I've done a Hollywood show, pal. We'll go back to the ones you passed. What is Nathan's <laughs> sister's name? Um, Molly. It's Helen I'm worried about. She's 10 years old. What is Stuart's father's name? John. What is Stuart and Romy's baby's name? Bartholomew. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let me add these up here. (laughs) You got eight right. Better than I expected. (laughs) And seven wrong. That's passing. Okay, so the ones you missed, uh, Stuart is from Ireland. Oh. Nathan's sister is named Helen. Stuart's father's name is Clive. Uh, Romy was going to marry Lance Amenpa. Season one, Stuart lived on Mariner's Court. In season two, we lived on Canal Street. You got that one, right? Stuart and Romy's baby's name is Alfred. Oh, Alfie. Uh, Daz claimed to dress up as Britney Spears. That's bullshit. <laughs> anyway. You got the sex out. You were correct, never though. close to Britney. Yes. They did. They both did anal. Not with each other. No, but I guess I remember when, when Janice came over, she was talking about how they, how they yeah. tried it. Okay, our next game is called Stuart versus Brian, and I've got 10 quotes from either Stuart Allen Jones or Brian Kinney. I'll read them to you, and you have to pick who said which one, okay? All right. Those pens. I've got to get rid of those pens. Stuart. It's the pens. I've got to get rid of the pens. Jesus Christ, is there no one left in the world straight? Brian. Jesus Christ, is there no one straight left in the world? The rumor is right, but unless I'm fucking you, it is none of your business. Stuart. But unless I'm fucking you, it's none of your business. You're never to play violin music in my presence again. Brian. And you're never to play violin music in my presence again. I think I'm experiencing possession withdrawal. Brian. 
I think I'm experiencing possession withdrawal. I need to lay down. Just tell her that you take it up the ass and get out of there. Brian. Fuck's sake, just tell her you take it up the ass and get out of there. I'm a cocksucker. I'm queer. And to anyone who takes pity or offense, I say, judge yourself. Stuart. I'm a cocksucker. I'm queer. And to anyone who takes pity or offense, I say, judge yourself. Lesbian letters. Can I read them? <laughs> uh, I'll say Brian. Lesbian letters. Can I read them? So, are you coming or going? Or coming and then going? Or coming and staying? Brian. So are you coming or going? Or coming and then going? Or coming and staying? My world's so fucking huge. Ooh, Brian? My world's so fucking huge! I don't believe in love. I believe in fucking. It's honest. It's efficient. You get in and out with a maximum of pleasure and a minimum of bullshit. Stuart. I don't believe in love. I believe in fucking. It's honest. It's efficient. You get in and out with a maximum of pleasure and a minimum of bullshit. Okay. Um, <laughs> you didn't do so hot. <laughs> okay. Okay. I thought I was going to have like some British isms that I could like latch on to, to get this was to get it Stuart, but you were, uh, yeah, I was careful to, to take those out. <laughs> you were clever with these. Okay. So let's see. You got one, two, three, four, right. <laughs> out of 10. Oof. Oof. Uh, so Jesus Christ, uh, is there no one left straight in this world? That was clearly Stuart, uh, talking to Martin Brooks. The rumor is right, but unless I'm fucking you, it is none of your business. That was Brian talking to Gardner Vance, his new boss. Uh, just tell her that you take it up the ass and get out of there. That was Stuart yelling at Vince when Vince was on that date with Rosalie. Oh, uh, okay. I'm a cocksucker. I'm a queer. And to anyone who takes pity or offense, I say, judge yourself. That was uh, season five, episode one of the U.S. series when... Brian uh, decides to reopen Babylon after it blows up. Uh, lesbian letters. Can I read them? That was Stuart in the park with Lisa. My world's so fucking huge was Stuart. And I don't believe in love. I believe in fucking. Uh, that one's obviously Brian. So good job, Matt. <laughs> you know your characters. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you that either one of them said it. Still course folk. Be right back. Okay. Uh, finally, I just wanted to talk generally uh, about the two shows. Something that we found with our U.S. audience is that they are quite rabid compared to the U.K. audience. The comments from listeners of the U.K. series were more often than not giving us compliments or ideas for the podcast or even bits of information about things that uh, we either missed or we just didn't pay attention to. The U.S. listeners seemed out for blood sometimes because we were critiquing the show and not being fanboys. We had always envisioned this show to be, how does this show hold up 
so many years later, given that a lot has changed in the world from 2000 when this show was considered, you know, groundbreaking and edgy and, you know, all the superlatives to make it seem like it was going to be an alternative show. You know, it was it was on that premium cable and you know, so the, there was a lot of hype around it. And I'm sure, I mean, Patrick, you can speak to it because you were watching the show when it was airing at the time. Go ahead. So you can say it. <laughs> I wasn't going to say, I was going to say distinguished, but okay, we can go with that. About that. Uh, there was, um, I, I come from a different, I guess you can say generation of people who still find the show. It's sort of your entry into a world. <laughs> But it also can create uh, a skewed view of that world. So part of that comes down to the critiquing of saying, okay, now 2000, probably amazing and great. And no one could possibly say a bad thing about it. Or maybe not a bad thing, but like there are there are a lot of images. There's a lot of uh, storylines that would not hold up today that would be you know, there would be a lot of discussion saying, like, I can't believe they put this in the show. And I thought we were always going to be very transparent when we talked about it. And and then it came and it came out a lot more in the latter seasons, which we always knew we were going to have a little trouble with because we knew the show became a little preachier. It did not have a blueprint of the UK series to continue to adapt. So then it went off on its own. We know that writing rooms changed. We know that directors changed. Russell T Davies, you know, no longer was really involved in it. So yeah, it became its sort of own thing. And we thought it, it suffered for it. And we said so. A pretty common complaint from our U.S. listeners uh, was that they thought we didn't like the show. <laughs> but the, the fact is, I, I do like it as a whole. Why else would we spend four and a half years talking about it? I mean, it was required viewing, right? <laughs> when it was airing and even yes. afterwards. But but it has problems. And some of those problems are casual and even overt racism in some places. Or what somebody could objectively judge to be just very poor writing and storytelling. But that doesn't mean that we don't like the show as a whole. It had problems. And those were the the things that we wanted to talk about. And a lot of people said, oh, well, this is just a book report on the screenwriting or something like that. And well, yeah, because story matters in any TV show. And if the story is doing something that just is wrong <laughs> for <laughs> like society, then we're going to talk about it, right? And and even amidst these, these critiques and these complaints, uh, the show endures. The, the fact that we're able to create a podcast about it 20 years later and we see that there are fans who still watch it and Worldwide. still talk about it, it, <laughs> it's, it does speak to its staying power. So even with these critiques, people are still watching the show. So, I mean, yes, you can probably say snide things to a podcast that decides to talk about it, but we're talking I can't about imagine it. doing a podcast where we just <laughs> adore something. <laughs> we say how wonderful it is. Right. I can't imagine, you know, loving so much about, you know, the thumpa thumpa of this show <laughs> and being just, you know, going on and on about it. There's a couple of other Queers Folk podcasts that really are fan, fan podcasts. And Stan. Yeah. Uh, I made a short list of some of my chief complaints about this show. So let me rattle these off and then see what you think of them, Matt. I think that people kind of love the show because... It's really all there was for a period of time. 
there really wasn't any other gay scripted drama, and it was just rare in the early 2000s. And Queer as Folk US wasn't the first gay TV show, or as a lot of people just breathlessly say, it's groundbreaking. It, it did have production quality that rivaled everything else that was on cable back then, except for the storytelling. I mean, these were like beautifully shot, excellent score. And so it, it was it was very watchable. It took me 20 years to get to the point of where I gave it a more critical eye because I remember the the first time I started watching it, I'd seen the UK show and I caught flu and I was in bed for like two days and a friend dropped off season one, which was, was it 23 episodes? And I watched it all as I was in bed with the flu and I just could not stop watching it. That was like my first binge on DVDs. Uh. <laughs> I mean, it was it was important, but when we look at it now, as we are older gay men that have seen a lot and done a lot, we often look at the show and kind of go, "Hmm." Yeah, I mean, when when there when you're when you're starving for representation, you latch on to and like anything. Like, so if this is the one thing that's there, you're going to do what you can to lift it up because then maybe something else will come along, and then. When you then have an abundance of this kind of material, you can then be like, okay, I'm glad this existed then to then lift up these other projects that became that that took that mold and made it better or made it more timely or made something, you know, this is something like this was a big conversation. I think people had when looking came on to HBO, there was a lot of comparison because we're seeing gay men living on TV and (laughs) right. And and many gay men on TV and, uh, you know, one of the chief complaints about looking, people kept saying that it was boring. And I'm like, Oh God, (laughs) the, these are, and, and like, that was something that always astonished me because I would see, conversations looking was having between its characters. And like, I had this exact conversation not two days ago with my friends. I found so much of myself in that show. And it came at such an important time for me personally, you know, being someone who was newly out and I found material for me to latch onto that. I'm sure people back in 2000 did with queer as folk. Plus looking had Jonathan Groff and Russell Tovey. So there's that. Mm. Yes. There was uh, an overarching theme to the U.S. show where Brian wanted Justin to be the best homosexual he can be. And I always just found that super goofy. I, it, it was almost like this metaphysical thing or something. I, I just don't think it serviced the story that well. It's like, what do you mean? You're grooming him? What are you trying to turn this kid into? You really don't want him to be himself? Yeah. What? What? Huh? Yeah, that again, that, that feeds into that that super ego that we talked about so much with Brian, where, you know, or because, you know, the first episode we see him trying to be Superman, standing on top of the hospital, thinking that nothing can destroy him, nothing can Stuart bring him did down. That too, you know, you know yeah, but Stuart's just more charming. So that's why I bought into it. <laughs> and so, so it's, it's, yeah, it's like let Justin go on his own path, which is, I think, where the show eventually like got to is that he had to let Justin go and let him be his own person. But that was after he had really basically turned Justin into a mini version of himself. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which I like, I would like to think that if there was ever an extension of this series that we got to see Justin do his own thing. <laughs> I also think that copying the UK show line by line just didn't do the U S show any favors. Maybe the U S show needed to start photography really quickly. So 
they had to work from existing stories and just do teleplays on them. But those ended up being the best episodes of the entire U.S. series. After they had run their course and they ran out of material from Russell T. Davies, the rest of the U.S. series felt totally different. I just got to imagine that Russell Davies just can't stand the U.S. version. (laughs) The... The writing was just off the wall and disjointed at the same time. It was as if the characters never really settled into who they are and who they were going to become and just had this really slow period of problems over and over. They just outright changed from episode to episode. And some characters like Ben Bruckner were completely neutered after those dynamite first few episodes with him. His character was just a pale of what it could have been. It it was almost as if the U.S. series was written by people that had never lived anything remotely close to these stories, where you can tell in Russell Davies' stories that they're autobiographical. Cohen and Lippmann, on the other hand, just took way too long to establish their own stories. Like, why bother taking U.K.-centric characters and their U.K.-centric stories and then trying to make them work as U.S. characters in Pittsburgh? I think the Ben example is such a great one to go with because I still think about that that moment where they were going to have sex and 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 Michael was saying like I want to and but it was it was such a block for them both and it's still the way we would hear the sound over the credits they didn't oh, even yeah, play the music sound, like and yeah. that told us oh it was incredible great episode I, like, I loved that excellent episode but you're right then it's like okay now what do we do with it. And they're just like, well, we give it our shot. And and then they just, you know, put it. Yeah, he became an extra. <laughs> like, really? All of the things they could have explored, especially when talking about what it means to be HIV positive, but undetectable in this day and age. And what it means to live with this chronic condition that's no longer a death sentence. Like, there's so much that could have happened. And it really feels like it didn't. I also thought that the guest stars that had short story arcs really kind of made the U.S. show uh, much more bearable. And the U.K. show had virtually no guest stars, none, <laughs> right? Right, because it was, it was what, 10 episodes, 8 episodes? <laughs> the parts of the U.S. show that resonated the most for me were the ones not starring the main cast, <laughs> like Dr. David Cameron, Ethan Gold, um, Ben Bruckner's HIV story before he became regular, that awful Sam Auerbach character, Lita, and George Schickel. All those people were never mentioned once their time on the show ended. We were so pissed the way the Ethan Gold storyline wrapped up. The fact that it wrapped up, period. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine if he had shown up in like season four? Yeah, it should have kept showing up. Just to constantly. be there. Yeah. Ugh, that would have been great. Uh, and then finally, the, the UK series actually had a resolution ending that we can get our heads and hearts around. The US series just kind of stumbled over the finish line in a way that left people kind of blue balled the lesbians (laughs) just pack up and leave ted and emmett never get together justin leaves for new york to become the best homosexual he can be brian is left in exactly the same state that we found him in when the series started it was just really weird that's something that i really really dislike not just not just in this show but like in any show when if we go on this journey for so many years and we watch so many episodes and then you are going to leave your character i mean seemingly lead character brian the same as he was why did i just do this This is one of my chief complaints with the show Friends. It goes on for 10 years and it literally just comes back to exactly where it was the first fucking episode. I mean, there is something to say about stories going full circle, but 
here it went uh, like Brian was the only one that kind of went full circle, kind of predictable, I guess, because he's never going to change. Right. Right. Exactly. And what do I want? Yeah. I wanted to see Brian and Justin get together, even as much as I hate those happy endings, the happy ending of the UK version with Stuart and Vince as goofy as it was and bonkers of an ending. It really worked for me. It, you know what? It was bold. It, Groundbreaking. It, it tried something. <laughs> it tried something, and I and you know it's like we're going we're going to be outlandish with it, and I and I went along with it. And let's be honest, its depiction of U.S. citizens at the very end is not far off. All right, that's all that we have for you, at least for now. You can check out all ninety six episodes that cover both U.S. and U.K along with the season wrap-up episodes at stillqueersfolk.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you so much for listening all this time, you know, especially those listeners that have been there with us since the beginning. Uh, and even when we took our long breaks and, you know, still came back and, and still engaged, uh, we really appreciate it. And who knows where this will take us? Just ignore season one. You know, we kind of didn't know what we we're doing. <laughs> no, you know what? Join, see season two, fall in love, and then go back to season one, and then there just have go. a laugh. That's uh, there is a Queer as Folk reboot coming up soon with Russell T. Davies attached to the project. It takes place in the U.S., though. We haven't decided if we're going to cover it yet, but you never know. So keep in touch. I'm I'm very I'm intrigued. One, that it's going to take place in New Orleans and that they're uh, claiming that it is going to be more diverse group of friends. But it seems that, at least according to the description, it is all wrapped around a tragedy, which I don't really know why we have to continue to have our queer characters come together because of a tragedy. I'm sure it would be much more interesting if it was just close to the UK where it's like it's their life. And I think that would be a lot of fun. But who knows? So until we meet again, I'm Patrick Randall. And I'm Matt Dominguez. Still Queers Folk is a production of Slightly Unbalanced, executive producer Patrick Randall. That's me. I wrote and performed this episode with Matt Dominguez, and we made the show with love in Chicago.